This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, we are so glad that you could join us for the first uh, Sunday of our Christmas series called Socks and Underwear. Socks and Underwear. The Salvation Army reports that they receive some rather strange items in their red kettles every Christmas season. One Salvation Army spokesman said, in addition to money, I've seen batteries and paper clips and safety pins, all sorts of strange things, but this one takes the cake. The gift was a diamond engagement ring that had been given by a widow in honor of her husband. Uh, the Salvation Army says the anonymous donor placed the ring in a, along with a note in a kettle just outside of a train station. The ring was given along with this note which said, I've dropped my ring into your red kettle knowing that the money from its sale will buy toys for needy children, the woman wrote. In all seasons, my husband was a giver. I especially remember his joy in giving at Christmas time especially to those in need, and to honor his memory, I donate this ring. Well, they had the the ring appraised at $1,850. But once the story got out, the ring was sold a few days later for $21,000, 11 times the appraised value. You know, on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, many of us are going to gather around a Christmas tree Some of them might look like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree, but nevertheless, a Christmas tree. And we'll open our gifts. Uh, Many of us will receive gifts, and uh, there will be great joy in our homes because of Christmas. And who knows, somebody might even get a diamond engagement ring. I don't know. But I'm sure there will be some surprises along the way. I remember as a kid asking for a hockey jersey one Christmas, and... uh, A couple of weeks before Christmas, I became convinced that I had a hockey jersey under the tree because I had uh, manhandled and squeezed that package at least a thousand times, becoming convinced that I had a hockey jersey. But on Christmas morning, when I tore off the wrapping paper, all I found was socks and underwear. I mean, it felt like a jersey, right? Socks and underwear. Not what I wanted but something I needed. You see, my grandmother, who babysat my sister and I a lot when we were younger, had done my laundry, our laundry enough to know that my socks and underwear desperately needed replacement therapy. And being a very practical grandmother of European descent, who had also gone through the Great Depression, one of her favorite sayings was always, What you want and what you need are two different things. And I've never forgotten that. What you want and what you need are two different things. I wanted a hockey jersey. I needed socks and underwear. I wanted a hockey jersey. I asked for a hockey jersey. I could probably uh, be blamed for, for begging for a hockey jersey. But instead, socks and underwear. There are some gifts that everyone 
needs, but no one gets excited about. There are gifts that everyone needs, but no one really gets excited about socks and underwear. And that was also true of the very first Christmas. There were gifts that everyone needed, but they weren't too excited about. Jesus was born during the reign of Caesar Augustus in Rome. You know that from the opening passage in Luke chapter 2, and I'll ask you to turn to Luke chapter 2 this morning as we, uh, in a few moments, do some reading in that passage. Uh, But Jesus' entire life, his entire life was lived in the shadow of this Roman dominance in Israel. The Jews were a conquered people. They were living under the Roman occupation and under Roman oppression. Uh, So far, up to this point, they had been subject to Babylon and Assyria and Persia and the Greeks and now the Romans. So they they knew what it meant to, to live under oppression. And it was the Persians who allowed the Jews to return to their homeland. And even though they were back home in the land of Palestine or the land of Israel, they were not free. They weren't able to enjoy their freedom. They were not living in freedom. And as the New Testament opens and Jesus comes on the scene, the people were literally waiting for deliverance from the oppressive weight of the Roman Empire. And many, uh, like the prophetess Anna, were told were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. They were waiting for Jerusalem and for Israel to be set free from Roman dominance. And so the people were waiting for their Messiah. They had been told for hundreds of years that Messiah would come. And so they're anticipating Messiah. They, but they want a conquering Messiah, you see. The circumstances, the situation of life, the sits in Lieben, was such that they wanted and they needed freedom from this Roman oppression. And they wanted a victorious king to come and set them free. They were expecting a champion They were wanting a son of David to come in in victorious armor and overthrow the Roman army and set them free. But we know that a very different picture emerges from the pages of the New Testament, right? Let's have a look at at Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So the greatest miracle in the history of the world, the eternal Son of God being born as a man, happens quietly in a stable in an obscure village in Judea. It's just like our, our Father in heaven to do something like that. You know? So behind the scenes, so obscure. 
And it's not at all what the Jews were hoping for. They didn't want deliverance in obscurity. They asked for a conquering king. Instead, they were given a baby savior. Clearly a case of socks and underwear, wouldn't you say? Uh, Verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the angels proclaim the good news about Jesus. And we sang about that good news this morning. The eternal, omnipotent, all-powerful Son of God had just taken the form of a servant. He took on the form of a servant, not a victorious king, not the successful, victorious defender that they were expecting, but rather he takes on the form of a human being. God comes to earth in the flesh. He becomes a baby born in a, in a manger stall in a little village in Judea. Why in the world would God the Father send Jesus into a social and a political climate where they were clearly expecting someone else or something else? That's not what they wanted. Why in the world would God send Jesus into an environment where they were expecting something totally different? Why? Well, it's because the Father knows what we need, and what we need is far more important than what we want. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I, I just love that last verse. I love that last verse. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like for Mary and Joseph, who hadn't even, you know, done the deed yet, and yet she's pregnant. And the, you know, yeah, and you know the story, you know, the angel says, don't worry about it, Joseph, don't worry about it. Just take her home as your wife. Don't worry about it. I got this. But, you know, really, wouldn't that just cause you to, what? Huh? How is that? And so Mary is treasuring up all these things, all the things that she's heard and seen, 
pondering them in her heart. I mean, there's so much about the Christmas story that we treasure. There's, there's so much to, to cherish about this event. Uh, so much to appreciate. There's so much about Christmas to wonder at, to ponder, to, to be in awe over. And one of the things that we ponder often at Christmas is this glorious declaration of love that the Father made at that first Christmas. He made a very strong declaration that He loves us. John said in, in 1 John 3, 1, reflecting back, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. And, you know, the... the uh, Translators try to put the emphasis there by, by adding exclamation marks. There were no exclamation marks in the Greek New Testament when it was first penned. So the translators are trying to give this a sense of what the, 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 the authors may have been thinking or, 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 or feeling as they, as they put these words to paper. Uh, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. What a great word. He's lavished His love on us that we should be called children of God. And guess what, folks? News bulletin, that is what we are. It's like you can hardly believe it. God has lavished His love on us and, and guess what? We're children of God because of that momentous Life-changing declaration of love. He lavished His love on us when He sent His Son, Jesus, on that first Christmas. That's what Christmas is about. You say, <laughs> ask your kids, what do you want for Christmas? I, I, bet, I bet none of them will say, oh, I, I want the love of God. And yet that's exactly what they need. Ask the people at your shop. Ask, ask the people at your store. Ask the people at your school. What, what do you want for Christmas? See how many of them say, Oh, I can't wait for the love of God. I, I, I'm expecting the love of God at Christmas. Nobody asks for that. The thing we need the most. He lavished His love on us. And that may not be what we want for Christmas, but that's, that's what we need desperately. We desperately need that. We need the lavish love of God. We need God to, to pour out His extravagant, generous, bountiful love on us to change us from the inside out. So that we can have a, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the love of God that draws us to the Savior. See, what some people want is power and prestige. And what they need is a savior. Some people want money or merchandise. And what they need is Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever, whoever, whoever. Are there some whoever's here this morning? I think so. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's love grants us eternal life 
so that we can spend the rest of our days making much of Jesus. See, God doesn't pour out His love upon us. God doesn't bring us into a relationship with Himself so we can make much of ourselves, (laughs) but rather so that we can make much of God. And furthermore, our love for others ought to be about helping them to to find satisfaction in, in living for God and learning to love Him. I mean, if I could give that gift to my family at Christmas, to my sister who doesn't know Jesus, to my cousins who don't know Jesus, I would give that gift. I would give the gift of God's love to them so that they could learn to make much of Jesus just like we are trying to do. Our love for others is demonstrated in giving them what they need the most. And what they need the most is the love of God. It's not for three weeks. Go do your homework. Mom? Is it time now? Two more weeks, honey. Two more weeks. the Father has been waiting forever to give you the gift of His love through Jesus Christ, His Son. In the beginning, God designed the world and created us so that He could have a relationship with us, so that we could fellowship together. But now we live in a broken world, surrounded by broken lives and broken relationships, and broken systems. Have you noticed? The world is broken. 
But brokenness also leads us to a place where we realize that we need something more. That we want something more than this. We want something better than what the world has to offer. And because of His love, God did not leave us alone in our brokenness. He sent His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that whoever believes might enter into this loving relationship with the Father and receive the gift of eternal life also as a benefit. So Jesus came to rescue us. He came to do for us and do in us what we could not do for ourselves. He took upon Himself our sin and our shame and He took it to the cross. And the Bible says that uh, the righteous died for the unrighteous. The Bible says that He demonstrates His own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Jesus provides the only way for us to be in a right relationship with God the Father. I heard someone say just the other day in my hearing, well, you know, all religions lead to the same God. No, they don't. All roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. I'm sorry, and I don't want to offend anybody, but the truth is the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one church may have a corner on the truth, but Jesus definitely does. So Jesus provides the way for us to be rescued, and Jesus provides the way for us to be restored to a right relationship with God the Father, and a relationship that's characterized by love. But simply hearing about the good news is not enough. It's not enough just to hear the story of Christmas. It's not enough just to know about Jesus going to the cross. Simply hearing the good news is not enough. We must admit that we, we are living in sinful brokenness and we're living apart from God. And we need to stop trusting ourselves and start trusting in Jesus. We don't have the power to escape the brokenness on our own. We don't have the power to fill up the empty void in our lives on our own. We don't have the power to create happiness on our own. I mean, last time I checked, the 26-ounce bottle, once it's gone, it's gone. And my problems are still there. See, we need to be rescued. We need to ask God to forgive us and then draw us into this wonderful relationship with with Him through faith in His Son called eternal life. And it's really a, a relationship that's based on love. And believing, then we, we, we receive new life through Jesus and, and God turns our lives in a brand new direction. And I, as I was sitting and writing in my journal this past week, it dawned on me that... that Forty years ago this Christmas, which sounds like a really, really, really long time ago. Forty years ago this Christmas, I was on my way to faith in Jesus. I met a family in Edmonton, Alberta, who just loved me the way I was. And I was a rascal, but they, they just poured out their love on me. And I realized 
as I was writing in my journal, thanking the Lord for his goodness and Christmas, and wait a second, next year is 2016, and it was 1976 when Jesus rescued me. That's, that's almost 40 years ago. And then I got reflecting about this Christmas season and how horrendous it was 40 years ago. How difficult it was for me 40 years ago to be living apart from Jesus. How broken my life was. Broken relationships, broken systems, broken promises. Everything was broken. Not only in my life, but all around me. It was just a mess. And several months later, Jesus revealed His love to me and rescued me from that life. And some of you are right there today. You, 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 you may have been invited by a friend or a neighbor or co-worker or, or fellow student, a colleague. You were invited to church this morning and you came. Much to your own surprise, you're here. Uh, but it's not an accident because we have been praying for you. Not by name because we didn't know who you were, but we've just been praying that God would bring people here this morning to hear about this uh, good news that Jesus Christ was born in a cradle, but he also died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine, to, to, to give us access into a, into a brand new relationship with God the Father, a relationship that's, that's full of love. So you got out of bed this morning and decided to come to church, and as you were pulling in, you thought, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> How did I get here? Well, you got here because God the Father loves you and cares about you, and He wanted you to be here, and we're glad you're here. And some of you might be ready for this rescue operation this morning. And if you are, there's no need to wait. You don't have to go home and think about it. You don't have to do it. You know, get your life cleaned up before you come to faith in Jesus Christ and express your, your desire to, to live for God and, and to receive His love. You can do that this morning. And, and one of the ways that we often use as a vehicle is, is prayer. Prayer is simply a conversation, us talking to God and God talking to us. And so we'd like to pray in just a moment and invite those of you who, who are ready to take that step of faith and say, yeah, I, I want God's love to be lavished on me as I place my faith in Jesus Christ. If you're in that spot this morning, then why don't you just pray along with me? I'll be praying out loud, but you can pray silently right where you're sitting and just invite Jesus Christ uh, to, to, to be who He is in your life, the Lord, the Savior, the Master of all. So let's pray together now. Let's bow our, our heads in prayer. Because now that you've heard this good news... God wants you to respond to Him. and What you want and what you need are two different things, remember? What you want and what you need are different. You need to trust in Jesus. You need to believe in a Savior. And you can do that this morning by using words like this, a simple prayer, a prayer of faith. If you'd like, you can pray along with me. While I pray out loud, you could just pray these words where you sit. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, my life is broken. And it's, it's because of my own sin that it's broken. I, I need you, Lord Jesus. I believe that Jesus came to live 
and die and rise again from the grave to to rescue me from my sin. So please forgive me, Father, as I turn from my own selfish ways and put my trust in Jesus right now, this morning. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I really do want to follow Him and be one of His guys, one of His gals. I want to be a follower of Jesus. So I invite you, Father, just to lavish your great love upon me too, that I might become part of the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.